You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to this Thursday edition of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. It's Thursday. I'm so happy to have you with us today. We're going to have a life transforming experience in God's word today. Let folk know, let somebody know, tag a friend, let them know that we're on. This is Thursday and we want to share with you the life changing word. Now, we've been talking from a subject entitled, Why Doesn't God Stop Tragedies? In our first lesson, I mentioned the origin of this series. Someone on my Tuesday podcast posed a question. This person asked, if someone asked us about the tragedy in Texas, the 21 people, 19 children, two adults that were killed uh, in Texas some time ago. If someone asked us, why didn't God stop it? What would we say? And out of that question, I thought, and felt later the Spirit of God to teach on why doesn't God stop tragedies. Now, this is our third and our final lesson. Now, what I've tried to do is, is communicate every lesson I've been trying to drop an insight or revelation to help us answer this question. So in lesson one, we talked about why tragedies happen why tragedies happen. And lesson two was very insightful. I talked I, I talked from the question, is God really in control? You hear that all the time. God is in control. God is in control. God is in control. And so I'm at, I was asking the question, is God really in control? You gotta, you gotta go back and listen to that if you didn't hear that. And I, in that lesson, lesson two, I talked about the difference between control and sovereignty. And then I, I dropped something very heavy, profound. I said that God made three purposeful decisions that ultimately restricted his operation in the earth. He did it out of his own sovereignty. Nobody made God do it. God made three purposeful decisions that ultimately restricted his operation in the earth. In other words, he restricted himself. The three decisions that he made was, number one, he decided to give the earth to man to rule and manage. He decided in the beginning, you find that in Genesis chapter 1, he decided to give the earth to man to rule and manage. The second decision that he made out of his sovereignty is that God decided that he would work in the earth through partnership, not independent of men, through partnership with men. He will operate in the earth. That was a decision that he made. 
if my people which are called by my name. That was the decision that he made. Then I will do such and such. Now, listen, the third purposeful decision that God made, it was just absolutely amazing that he would make this decision. He decided to give man the power of choice, free will. Those three decisions ultimately restricted God's operation in the earth. In other words, God is not just moving in and out anytime he wants to, any way he wants to, even though we thought that. And what I've tried to do in this these uh, lessons is try to, to get our thinking in alignment with God's word mind renewal. So in this third and final lesson, we're still answering that question, why doesn't God stop tragedies? I want to talk uh, uh, from this question, how does God operate in the earth? How does God operate in the earth? If God is not just moving in and out any way he wants to, anytime he wants to, how does he operate in there? Well, we're going to talk about that. But before we get into that, I want to introduce today's lesson by giving you three truths. And remember, everything we're doing now, we're answering that question, why does a God stop tragedies in the earth? I want to give you just two fundamental truths that I think will help bring alignment in our thinking. The Bible said, be not transformed, but be, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, listen at this. Here's the first truth. God does not operate in the earth through need. God does not operate in the earth through need. I wish he did. I know you wish he did. And many of you think he does. Well, I need this. God knows I need this. I need this and I need this. Why, why God doesn't just meet my need? Well, God doesn't operate in the earth through need. Now, here's a proof text. In Luke 4, 25 through 27 in the New King James Version, it says, but I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months and there was a great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. Now, Jesus is speaking here, and he's saying that during the days of Elijah, that's over in 1 Kings chapter 17, there was a three-year-and-a-half famine, drought throughout all the land. And the scripture says that were many widows in Israel. 
who had a covenant. That's why the Bible mentioned widows in Israel. They had a covenant of provision, a covenant of God protecting them. And the Bible says, and Jesus said this, and it got him in trouble too. They, they got so mad at him in Luke 4, they wanted to throw him across the cliff. These were Jews. They wanted to throw him across the cliff. He said that there were many widows in Israel during the days of Elijah when there was a famine throughout all the land. But to none of those widows who had a need and those widows who had a covenant did God send Elijah. He sent Elijah to Zarephath to a Gentile woman who did not have a covenant, but she did have faith. And God sustained her for three and a half years during this drought. Then he says, and there were men lepers that were in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet. This is over in 2 Kings chapter 5. There were many lepers in Israel in the time of Elijah the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So now notice here again, you got lepers in Israel who had a covenant of healing, but yet Elijah wasn't sent to them even though they had a need. He was sent to Naaman, and Naaman was cleansed, and Naaman didn't even have a covenant with God. God does not operate in the earth through need. Now, here's another truth, second truth, three truths, and then we're going to answer the question, how does God operate in the earth? Now, listen carefully. Ignorance, here's the second truth, ignorance robs people and knowledge acted on blesses people. Ignorance robs people and knowledge acted on blesses people. Hosea 4, 6 in the New King James Version says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people, notice he didn't say people in the world. He didn't say the unsaved. He didn't say people who don't have a covenant. He said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people, my people. Now watch this. Isaiah 5.13 in the New King James Version says, therefore my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. My people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Now notice the knowledge factor. And really, if Christians would get a, a handle on this revelation, that not ignorance robs people. Ignorance robs people. That's a part of our spiritual warfare in the kingdom. Satan fights hard to distract people, believers, from the word. He does not mind you going to church. He does not mind you being religious. He does not even mind you being a Christian. 
What bothers him, what concerns him is the knowledge factor. He does everything to keep believers and sinners in the dark. He does not want people to have knowledge. He he rather for you to stay on social media forever. He rather for you to watch movies forever. What Satan doesn't want is you to have Bible knowledge. Because the scripture says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. They just don't know. Say, born again, may even be filled with spirit, but they don't have knowledge. He said they're destroyed. They're cut off because they have no knowledge. They're gone into captivity. There are people, Christians, who are in bondage because they have no knowledge. Satan is fighting us, trying to keep us from hearing the word. He wants to separate us from knowledge. Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. You shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. So this truth is ignorance robs people, but knowledge acted on blesses people. That's the bottom line. Why doesn't God stop tragedies? How does God operate in the earth? Well, he doesn't operate through me. It's obvious that. That's why the scripture says there were many widows who had a need. There were many lepers who had a need. But the prophet didn't go to either one of that group. The Bible says that that ignorance hinders us from walking in what God will have us to walk in. Why does tragedy happen? Why doesn't God stop it? God operates in the earth a certain way. Now, here's the third truth. Unbelief limits God. Unbelief limits God. You say, well, well, I thought God could just do anything. Well, I just told you there's a difference between control and sovereignty. We talked about that last week. Unbelief limits God. Give you two proof texts. Psalm 7 to 8, 40 through 41. Psalm 7 to 8, verses 40 through 41. In the New King James Version, it says, How often they, referring to Israel, provoked him, God, in the wilderness and grieved him. Israel grieved God in the wilderness, in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. That's in the Bible. The scripture says that Israel grieved God in the wilderness, and it says they limited him, that God wanted to do more. God wanted to, to, to bless them. The Bible says that they limited God. If they limited God, we can limit God. Why Why doesn't God just do? Why doesn't God? Because we can limit him. Now, I'll give you another proof text. Mark chapter 6, verse 4 through 6. Mark 6, verse 4 through 6 in the New Living Translation. Jesus is in his hometown. He's been moving by spirit all around the region. And naturally, he wanted to bring healing and deliverance to his hometown. You always love your hometown. I love my hometown. I was raised up in a small community in Birmingham called Wallop. I love my hometown. I love my hometown. Love my hometown. Love my hometown. Jesus loved his. 
but they didn't receive Jesus in his hometown. Listen at this. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown, among his relatives and his own family. And because of their unbelief, now listen carefully, because of their unbelief, the unbelief of people in his hometown, his own relatives. Now listen what it says. Because of their unbelief, he couldn't do any miracles among them. He couldn't do. Didn't say he wouldn't do. It said he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, the one translation says he could there do no mighty works except he laid his hands on a few people with minor ailments. He couldn't do any great miracles. He laid his hand on a few people with minor ailments and healed them. And notice what it says. He was amazed at their unbelief. He was amazed at their unbelief. Notice our unbelief can limit God. Our unbelief limits God. Now, in this third and final lesson, we're talking about how does God operate in the earth? We know that he doesn't operate through need. We know that ignorance robs people. We know that unbelief limits God. So how does God operate in the earth? Now listen, listen to me carefully. God operates in the earth through three primary avenues. God operates in the earth through three <coughs> primary avenues. He operates in the earth through submission, invitation, and obedience. Submission, invitation, and obedience. He operates in the earth through submission. He operates in the earth through invitation. He operates in the earth through obedience. Let's talk about submission. Let's talk about submission. Let me ask you a question. If you're born again, and I know many of you listening to me are born again, how did you enter into the new birth experience? How did that happen? It happened through submission. It didn't happen just because God had a time to save you, and when his time was, he going to save you. You know, a lot of people say that when God gets ready, you know, sometimes you may be witnessing to people, and they say, well, when God gets ready, I'll receive him. When God gets ready, no, God was ready 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus. Jesus died on the cross, bore your sins, went to hell, paid your price, then raised, was raised from the dead so you could be right with God. The price has already been paid for every person to be born again, every person to be saved, every person can be a Christian through faith in Christ, but it involves submission. Now watch this. Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall or you will be saved. Believe with your heart, confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus. That's receiving Jesus as Lord. That is submitting to the Lordship of Jesus. It's relinquishing the control of your life. You're no longer going to run your life, but you're going to relinquish the control of your life to Christ and allow him to be the master and the leader of your life. Now, listen at this. The greatest tragedy is men dying going to hell. We've been talking about tragedies, but the greatest tragedy the greatest tragedy in life is men going to hell, men dying and going to hell. Yet avoiding the tragedy of hell and gaining the blessing of heaven requires submission. It requires submission to the Lordship of Jesus. So God operates in the earth through submission. He wants every person, and if you're listening to me now, you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm going to give you an invitation at the end of this uh, podcast. I'm going to give you an invitation because God won't just break into your life against your will and decide to save you. You have to choose. He gave you free will. We talked about that last week. He gave you free will. We talked about that in our second lesson. The power of choice. You have to submit to his uh, lordship. You know, I, I I use this illustration about lordship, uh, imagine yourself at the base of the interstate, right where the interstate drops off and you exit, and you're standing there. You know, Jesus is standing there. You pull off the exit, come down the ramp, and Jesus standing out there with his thumb up. He's thumbing. He want to ride. And you see Jesus, and you say, oh, Jesus want to ride. So you stop your automobile, reach over to the front driver's uh, passenger seat, and open the door. And Jesus just stands there. He doesn't even move. Yet he has his thumb out. He wants to ride. And so you reach in the back, the back passenger seat on the right side, open the door. Jesus just stands there with his hands up. He still doesn't get in. So you reach in the back. Maybe he wants to come to the behind you. And he op- you open the door and he doesn't move. He just stays there with his hands out. And then you think, oh, Jesus wanna drive. So you slide, you open your, your driver's door, you slide over. And Jesus comes around, get in the car, and he wants, and he drives off with you. And that's really what it's all about, is you deciding that you never, you're no longer going to lead your own life. 
drive your own life. You're going to let him drive the automobile of your life and you're going to allow the Bible to be your God. That's what being born again is all about. But God only operates in our lives through submission. Now, James 4, 7 says something else. It says, therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you. Now, notice, you submit to God, you resist the devil, and the devil will flee. It is definitely God's supernatural power that causes the devil to flee because we don't have the ability to make the devil run. It is God's supernatural power working through us to drive Satan away. But that supernatural power is released through submission. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So now notice, you cannot live a life that's contrary to God, and then you're going to resist the devil and he's going to leave. No, you've got to submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. So we see submission is how God operates in the earth. The, third, the second avenue that God operates in the earth is invitation. Invitation is what we call prayer. That's all prayer is. It is inviting God into our circumstances. Now listen what Matthew 6, 8 says in the New King James Version. It says, for your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. Notice James 4, 2. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. Now, that's very interesting. God has established the system, how he operates through our prayers. The scripture says God knows what we need before we ask. Well, why don't you just give it to us? No, God operates in the earth through invitation. You have not because you ask not. So prayer is how God operates in the earth. Now, notice what it says in Matthew 9, verse 35 through 38 in the New King James Version. Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Why did he teach? Why did he preach? The knowledge factor. He understands that people will be separated, destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. They will go into captivity because they don't have a knowledge. So he's going around about teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Now listen at this verse. But when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. Then he turned to his disciples and said, the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest. That's the father 
that he will send laborers into the harvest. Now, that's interesting. We're talking about invitation. How does God operate in the earth? He operates through invitation. He operates through prayer. Now, listen at me carefully. The Bible said that Jesus was healing. Jesus was preaching. Jesus was delivering. Then he looked out and saw the, all the multitude. Couldn't get to all the people. He couldn't get to all the people. And he said, they like sheep without a shepherd. They need somebody to help them. And then he turned to his disciples, said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers is few. Then he says some very profound. He said to his disciples, disciples, you pray to the Lord of the harvest. You pray to the Father, the Lord of the harvest, that he, the Lord of the harvest, will send laborers. Well, now think about that. If Jesus saw the need, surely the Father saw the need. Surely the Father saw they were like sheep, uh, like sheep scattered without a shepherd. Why didn't God just send the laborers? Why do we have to pray and ask him to do what he want to do, to do what he sees going on. Why do we have to pray? Because that's how God operates. Remember last time we said that God decided to operate in the earth through partnership. He's not just doing everything. You can't just send him over there to the hospital. You go over to the hospital. You go do this. You go do that. No, God operates through partnership. He operates through uh, invitation. God is not just jumping in folk lives and, and forcing them to do things. He's operating through partnership, not puppetry. Partnership. God wants us to pray. Our part is to pray. So if the church is prayerless, if believers are prayerless, there are going to be things that happens that God doesn't want to happen. And it's not because God has willed it to happen. He wanted this to happen. God needs us to pray. That's why Christians should be praying. Your prayers matter. Your prayers make a difference. So God operates in the earth through submission. He operates in the, in the earth through invitation, prayer. And then finally, he operates in the earth through obedience. He operates in the earth through obedience. Obedience first to the laws and the principles in Scripture. Obedience to the Holy Spirit. When we're obedient to the laws and principles in Scripture, it releases God to, to manifest Himself. When we're obedient to the Holy Spirit, the leading of the Holy Spirit, good things just happen. Now, notice James 1, 22, 25. It says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This one will be blessed. We're blessed in our obedience. God operates in the earth through obedience. We're blessed through obedience. We're also blessed when we obey the Great Commission. We're blessed and the world is blessed when we obey the Great Commission. Now, listen what John 14, 12 says. It says, most surely, New King James Version, most surely I say unto you, he who believes in me, 
The works that I do will he do also, and greater works will he do because I'm going to my Father. Now, notice Jesus said, I'm going to my Father. I expect you, church, Christians, body of Christ, I expect you to do the works that I did. I'm going to my Father. I expect you to do the works that I did. I'm going to my Father. I expect you to do the works that I did and greater works. Now listen what it says in Mark 16, 15. To you and I, go into all the world. Go into all the world. Go into all the world. Now notice what it says in Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. Now, the Bible tells us to go into all the world. And most Christians are trying to get God to go into all the world. He told us to go into all the world. Now, when I got saved, when I got saved, I told you I love my, my, my community. I love my city, my hometown. I knocked on every door in that community. I did. I'm telling you, I did. I knocked on every door in that community because I was excited about what happened to me. And I wanted everybody in my hometown to hear. I knocked on every door and every door that opened and allowed me to share. I shared the gospel. I shared it. I witnessed. It's interesting. Most people don't knock on doors anymore. And think about it. As Christians now, we have technology. We can just push a button and send a message to people. We can push a button and share what somebody said that's good, the gospel, teaching. And Christians don't even push a button. Think about it. Think about it. They don't even push a button. I'm out knocking on doors. And Christians today got technology that can, you can share messages, share sermons, share what your pastor says, and all you got to do is push a button and send it to somebody. And Christians, they won't even share what they get. Now, I'm not talking about all Christians, because some of you, you sharing everything you hear. You're just sharing with somebody else. The Bible said where to go, where to go. Where to go into all the world? Now watch this. In Ephesians 1, 22, 23, it says he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head to the church, which is his body. The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. The church is the body. Now watch this. Hebrews 10, 12 said, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, waiting to his enemies be made his footstool. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, waiting for the enemies to be made his footstool. Well, how are they going to be made as footstool? By the body. The head is in heaven. The body is in the earth. The head is in heaven. The body is in the earth. The head is in heaven. The body is in the earth. Now, listen to these statements, and I'll close here, and I'm going to give an invitation. Jesus work in the earth through his body. He does not work in the earth through the head. The head, Jesus, is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. His body is in the earth, and he works in the earth through his body. Now, watch this. The problem the church has, they've disconnected the head from the body, and they're looking to the they're looking to the head to do the works the body should perform. Now that's profound. 
believers, the church, have disconnected the head from the body. The head is at the right hand of the Father, seated, waiting for his enemy made his footstool. The body, you and I are in the earth, but we disconnected ourselves from the head. So the body of Christ is trying to get the head to perform the works that the body should be performing. And that's why a lot of things happen in the earth that God doesn't intend to happen because we have more authority than we realize and we're trying to get the head to do the works that the body should perform. Now, I want you to go back and I want you to listen to all three of these lessons. I believe that these are powerful insights to why tragedies happen in the earth and why God doesn't just stop it. Because he intends to operate in the earth based off his principles, his laws, and how he does things. And I've shown you that in three lessons. Now, I said that submission is the key to the new birth. I said that I will come back. Now, I want to give you an invita- I want to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, and you can receive him right now. The Bible communicates that to be born again, we must repent. That simply means to change our mind about the direction that we're going. The Bible communicates that we look outside of ourselves to what Jesus did, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. And then the Bible said, whosoever called shall be saved. So I want you to pray this prayer after me right now. And I want you to receive Christ in your life. Pray this after me. Dear God. I heard the gospel. I believe the gospel. I believe that you sent Jesus. I believe that Jesus came in the earth. I believe that Jesus lived a perfect life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross with my sins. I believe that he paid my price. And I believe you raised him from the dead so I could be right with you. Father, I want to be right with you. I ask you, Jesus, to come into my life now, and I confess you, Jesus, as the Lord of my life. Wow, that's it. You prayed that prayer. I declare that you are born again in Jesus' name. And he has a wonderful, 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 wonderful plan for your life. Listen, I'm excited uh, about this series. We're going to begin something new in our next series. I'm going to begin to talk about marriage. I have a beautiful series that I'm going to share with you beginning uh, in our next session, Thursday session. I'm going to talk about winning the marriage game. You don't want to miss it. Look forward to seeing you then. Thank mm-hmm. you.